For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And Josh, you are correct. If I did go in the club, I would crush nachos. Totally. <laughs> so you hit it right on the head without even asking. $75 there, so. nachos. Yeah. Welcome back to the Dugout Dudes. I'm your co-host, Josh Luke. I'm trying out this uh, fancy background screen here. Uh, I, I captured uh, Brett played, what, one year for the Dodgers, right, Brett? We got that. Two, two years. Two years. Two years for the yeah. Dodgers and uh, a lot of other teams. But believe it or not, uh, our other ho- uh, guest today played for a lot of the same teams as Brett, but they never crossed paths. So, uh, Brett, why don't you welcome today's guest? Yeah, you know, um, our guest is Aaron Harang. Aaron and I have known each other for a long time. We've gotten a little bit more close because we do Reds Fantasy Camp together. We're both coaches there. But we've both kind of had similar type thing. 14 years in, in the big leagues. Um, I'm not sure how many years total you played, but I was kind of, you know, fact-checking a little bit. We played for a lot of the same teams throughout our careers, just never at the same time. So I want to welcome in a buddy of mine, Aaron Harang. What's up, buddy? What's going on, Brett? How's it going? Good. Hey, let me Good. jump in, Brett. I want to. I want to know before before he gets too comfortable. So you followed Brett in Cincinnati. You followed him, um, gosh, for the Dodgers, for the Padres, for several teams, and you go to fantasy camp with him. So tell us something that we don't know. But what, like, what's Brett's rep in those clubhouses? <laughs> he guy that had nachos every day or on like his game day. Like you couldn't even walk down the same hall with them. Like. Give us something we don't know about Brett real quick, man. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I don't know if there's any – There's I don't think there's any yeah. juicy stuff out there. Not uh, juicy. I, I don't know. You know what, though? He was he was, uh, he was was very persistent in getting me to Red's fantasy camp to, to do yeah. the camp. Yeah. He was on me, I think it was a couple years. Um, and right after I was done playing, he was, oh, dude, you got to come out and do this. And I kind of – the first year I wasn't ready to do it. And then he was – all on me the second year and so i finally caved and went and and we we have a great time going out there and it's uh yeah so he's he's very persistent when he when he when he wants something. i imagine the further you get away from your retirement too the more you do look forward to that every year right oh yeah yeah you know and and that kind of stuff you half the guys that we go back and see i mean we played with at some point and then the other half were the older guys that you know, we kind of looked up to, Yeah. We, you know, they, they were, they were either, you know, when we were younger kids, they were still playing and they were kind of guys, Oh man, you know, Ronnie Oster and, and Tom Hume and all these guys that, you know, they, they were part of a big era of Cincinnati That's baseball. Cool. And stuff. so, you know, we get to go back and hang out with those guys and kind of just tell stories and listen to, listen to things, the experiences they went through. And so it's a good time. That's I think cool. we're I think we're lucky because uh, the Reds fantasy camp is is it has the reputation of being one of the best ones out there. It's the biggest one in terms of campers. We have 144 campers typically, so 12 teams, and and it's bigger than any other um, you know organization that does it. But it it becomes a real big family. Like Aaron's a mainstay now, um, and it, it all comes down to the campers. Your first year in is almost like a like a test drive and if the campers don't give good reviews on you and really enjoy kind of being around and Aaron and I we we're really into it we'll hang out there's a fire pit in between the two hotels and we're out there every night like telling stories and we really get into it so the campers give their reports to the people that run it and if you don't make the cut they don't ask you back so Aaron's Aaron's made the cut I think what I don't know if we're gonna do it this year but it's fourth year in a row I think yeah yeah. yeah, so I think I'm on year six or five, and Aaron's on year four. So we're in it for the long haul. We'll be those old crusty guys here in about 15, 20 years that are like, oh, man, Harang played in the in the dinosaur age. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the guy paying for the week to be back there, man. Dude, just, if uh... you've, I tell you what, Josh, you should do it. It's so much fun. You would have a blast. The Dodgers do it. Um, you know, I know a couple guys that do theirs. It For a baseball fan – that has never experienced like a, a major league clubhouse. 
like we have, it's the closest thing you're going to get to it. You go in like, yeah, it's, imagine. you know, spring training, you're getting ready. You eat all the same food. It's the same cooks that, you know, when, when the big leaguers go, they're getting cooked for every morning and every lunch. It's the same exact thing. And then you're hanging out with all these guys. Like it's still a trip for me when we're there and like you see Tom Browning or, these old time guys of the reds where you're like, dude, those are, those guys have been around forever. And like, you're just hanging out by the fire pit telling stories with them. It's, it's a really cool experience. You know, and, and one thing I saw as a brother, you know, of somebody who played in the minors and big leagues is as a fan, you don't totally get, there's all these clubhouse guys, there's meals being made. There's, there's tipping clubhouse guys. There, there's so many things going on down there. You know, there's a whole laundry component going on underneath the stadium every night. That, that like we don't think about as fans and I bet not that that's that interesting but I mean you get to see that part of it I remember my brother's meal money back in 1998 was like more than my salary for the whole year <laughs> or something it was only like a hundred bucks a day or something like that you know but those are the kind I don't of know, I don't know about I don't know about Aaron but I miss I miss the spring training uh envelope every week oh, yeah uh, we, the weekly envelope yeah. But was it by week three? That was that was the one. If you kept getting the envelope, you were in a good situation. <laughs> now, Josh, it was like literally like a thousand bucks a week. You get an envelope of cash for that took care of you for your living off, you know, off property or, you know, you're renting your own apartment plus, you know, the money per day per diem. So like by the end of it, you rolling around with five, six thousand bucks of, of cash. The wives usually are like, Hey, give me an envelope. I want to yeah. go shopping. But <laughs> you know, it was usually that, that was the big joke every, like with my wife and I, you know, like as we were kids, it was back to school shopping. Yeah. So our big joke was back to season shopping. So my wife would be like, Hey, when do I get one of those envelopes so I can do my back to season shopping? So I don't so, know if Aaron's wife was on that, but my wife was certainly on that train. So Aaron, what was the per diem, the road per diem when you retired? Do you remember? Was it about, I want to say it was like a hundred bucks a day in 98. Uh, I think it was like, I think it was 80, 89 bucks a day. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, the funny thing I, is that it, didn't... Never got, it never got over a hundred. Yeah. What I remember. Uh, but it was, I mean, it was close. It was pushing. And most, the funny thing is, is most guys, they'd sleep in until noon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it became tip money. They, they just the handed it to the clubby, right? The spread. <laughs> they, then they go eat the spread at, at the ballpark. So it was like free money for them, basically. The funny thing is like the, it didn't really last when you really factor out, like it didn't really go that far because I think what people don't understand, it's different now. There's no, there's no meal money anymore. The, the union um, or the players union, it, it all worked. Very out. minimal. It's very, very minimal. minimal. It yeah. used to be like you got after tax, it was like 70 some dollars. But once you take a cab to the field you grab some lunch, it's pretty much gone. And then we pay clubhouse dues. We would pay clubhouse dues. And it all kind of depended on how much money you were making, how long you've had in the big leagues. Because I would say minimum when I came up, it was like $30 a day when I first came up. Towards the end of it, minimum was like 50 bucks a day you were given the clubhouse guy. Um, That was like if you were a rookie. And so when you think about you're getting $78 and 50 bucks is going straight to the clubhouse, you got 28 bucks to yeah. get a cab and eat lunch. So it, it kind of was a wash. And for those of you who don't know, no, no, that's for food. And we're not talking about just gum and sunflower seeds. We're talking about <laughs> full spread of pasta before the game, after the game. Guys have preferences. Certain guys only eat certain things. So let's talk about um, – th- this has been a great conversation for the, for the uh, casual fan. There's a lot of stuff we just covered that they don't know. And, guys, just to wrap up that conversation – if you've ever visited New York or Chicago and stayed downtown even for two or three days and said, got to get got to get out of here because it's so expensive. Well, that's every city they go into as big leaguers. If they're eating at 10 o'clock, it's going to cost them 75 bucks for a decent meal minimum per, per individual. There's cabs, there's Ubers, whatever. So that money, it, it, sound, it may sound like a lot, but it, it, it's gone. Like they said, by the end of the trip in my, and Josh, you are correct. If I did go in the club, I would crush nachos. Totally. So you hit it right on the head without even asking. $75. Yeah. So, so go on with what you're saying, but that's the intel I I got. I could throw down some nachos. Yeah. From the local watering hole here. I hang out at it's called (laughs) Kelly's corner tavern in Placentia. Um, my, the owner told me, hey, I, he heard, said, I heard you doing a podcast with Tom Coe. He says, I've been thinking about naming the Super Nachos after him because oh, yeah. of the year when, he, when he's <laughs> down, I know exactly what he's going to order. Did somebody say playoffs? The NBA, MLB, and NHL are in full swing, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. 
So take full advantage of sports being back and getting on action with hundreds of odds, features, and props for you to bet on. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Say, hey, let's talk about what's been going on in baseball um, I'm a huge Dodger fan. This show started as the Dodger dudes. We've kind of transitioned to the dugout dudes. We talk about 80% baseball and 20% Dodgers. But we kind of started with um, Joe Kelly, you know, getting the fire started for the rest of the league on behalf of his Dodger teammates. And then all of a sudden, kind of a major theme halfway through the season, almost <laughs> next week, right? 25 games in. Games is kind of the unwritten rules of baseball and, and how they've evolved through the years and and just in the last couple of days, we've seen Tatis Jr. You know, do something that some people are for, some are against. And last night, uh, uh, somebody threw at Mike Trout's head twice on two pitches in a row. Mike Trout, he threw at him. Uh, like, what's going on, guys? So tell me, what, what do you think's different? Before we get into those rules, what's different? And we know that there's a lot different this year, but is it the emotion? Is it the short season? Is it that the, the Astros thing got everybody going? What in your mind is, is different this year than in the short season where we have so much to talk about, everybody's focused on these unwritten rules? Gosh. Uh, I don't know, Aaron, you want to hit that? There's, there's a lot. Yeah. I mean, I have my yeah. opinions, but – uh, Aaron and I are both old school, so I think you're going to get probably a very different opinion of of some of the rules um, than some of the newer school people because you know used to used to um, you know go after people with an iron fist. So uh, I'm sure Aaron and I will have a couple different opinions. But what do you think, Aaron? What do you think is going on? Yeah, you know, um, first off, you know when I, I mean. We were, yeah, like you said, we're old school. We we came up when you know, guys weren't afraid to throw at guys for breaking unwritten rules and stuff like that. And or just looking at you wrong. It, looking at you wrong, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, you uh, you, you looked at a guy fine. But that's the thing is, you know, and and then they would charge them out. It wasn't <laughs> – there was no – there was no wait until everybody else gets there. It was not um, – dude's going to come get you. If it's, it, I mean, that's what it came down to. Um you know, I think a lot of these guys, they don't know how to, you know, everybody talks about the, the self-policing of the game. We were, we were taught how to self-police. We were taught how to, you know, if you're going to throw at somebody, you throw at their, their hip or their quad, make it hurt, leave a bruise, you know, but nobody's getting, nobody's getting knocked out of a game. Nobody's life's in, in danger. Um, you know, being career ending. Um, you know, I, I think it's just now that nobody, they're, they're not taught when to, when to do it properly, how to do it properly, you know, and, and it, yeah, everybody's up there and thinking that, you know, oh, I get thrown inside, I'm getting, they're thrown at me on purpose. Well, what do you think about this, Aaron? The fact that like our generation is, is almost phased out. Um, there's a couple guys from, from when you and I played that are still kind of t- at their tail end of their career. We were taught by like Pete Harnish, Dave Burba, Pete Shurik were the guys when I came up, like they taught you, they taught you, like you said, one of our guys gets dropped. We're, we're dropping some, someone of theirs. I think our generation of that kind of eye for an eye is gone. And, and you, have a gen- you have a generation of these young kids that weren't taught kind of how we were taught. So I almost think they don't know that. And I think there's so much like of a microscope on major league baseball right now in the last couple of years that um, they're throwing down the hammer like quick. I mean, the fact that in the Tatis game, which we can talk about um, Machado got thrown at after Tatis did what he did, the guy already got suspended yeah. for a game like that would never have happened ever when we were playing. Well, that would have, that would have been, that would have been the warning. Right, so he got a warning, but then that and, was and let's cl- let's clarify. Tatis swing at a three zero pitch when they were up by seven runs in the late in the game, seventh or eighth, eighth, eighth inning, eighth inning, and hit a grand slam. And it's been this huge media frenzy where everyone's chiming in that he broke an unwritten rule that you just don't swing three zero when you're up late in the game. So let me ask you guys both this: like you didn't you were watching the game the other night before before any of this media stuff pops out. 
Tatis swings 3-0, bases loaded, up by seven. And the guy in the couch hits a home a grand slam. And the guy on the couch next to you, a guy like me, a casual fan, is like, is that an unwritten rule that he's not supposed to do that? Like, what would your reaction have been? Would you have just shrugged your shoulders or would you have said, yeah, here's what I don't like. Is it the 3-0? Is it the seven-run rule? Is it, I don't know. Which one of those things is more of a rule? Because there's several rules in one there, isn't there? The one that always comes up is how far ahead is is far ahead enough to quit bunting and, and running and all that stuff. So it seems like there's two rules in one being violated there. Yeah. You know, I think, um, I mean, the, the three, you know, I think it's more the situation like that situation, you know, the other team's struggling, they're already smoking them. And in the eighth inning, you know, guys usually, and a lot of times it would be older guys would go up there and they'll just, they'll usually take a pitch on a three Oh count. They're not, they're swinging. Okay. You know, I mean, you can, you can look at, they said, you know, he's a young guy. He doesn't know the rules. Nobody's taught him those rules. Yeah. Um, not his dad. His dad would have been, his dad would have been hacking too. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and it just depends. It depends on the, the player too. I mean, you know, there, there, there's so many stats right now that, I mean, they have those guys broken down when they swing at certain pitches and what counts and, and what, you know, I mean, scenario. I mean, they probably had a scenario at 3-0 count with the bases loaded and what are the chances he's probably going to swing at a pitch. I mean, they probably know that. Um, Let me turn it on its head. Have you ever been – well, I think there's also – there's something to be said for if you're the guy that loaded the bases, your emotions as a pitcher are a lot different than the guy who just got bit, brought in from the pen, I'm sure. But there's something to be said. Here's what I want to know from you guys. If you're 3-0 with the bases loaded, are you going to get mad if a guy takes on 3-0 and you throw a ball? Like, are you going to be like, dude, come on, just swing. I'm struggling out here. Like, is there ever that? Like, no. There's not I mean, the So the only emotion is, why are you swinging? That, I mean, if I'm struggling and I'm, and I'm 3-0, you know, and I got the bases loaded, I mean, I'm trying my darndest to throw a strike. And if I can't throw a strike, then, I mean, he, he you know, yeah, okay, you got a free RBI. but by just standing there. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think there's two ways to look at it too. Is like, don't go three Oh, like, you, go <laughs> yeah. three, you know what I mean? Yeah. You put yourself in the situation. And the funny thing, Aaron and I saw each other uh, earlier today. Um, and I, I told him, I didn't even know that was an unwritten rule. I didn't even like think about it when they were talking about, it. I was like three Oh, not swing. Like I just assumed every single hitter in the world, three Oh, like is coming out of his shoes. So like, that's kind of the mentality I had is like three Oh, this is like as sure. good of a pitch as they're going to get. I have to expect them to swing. I'm going to try to put this on the outer half. And it wasn't even that about it. Actually, actually was a pretty good pitch. He went down there and made a, a good swing on it to hit it the other way. So I, I didn't really take, I wouldn't have taken much offense to it. I think Aaron maybe has a little bit different opinion, but my my whole thing is like no run is safe no no lead is safe i've given up a nine spot in an inning so seven nothing like that can be gone in seven batters yeah i you know i i had a i had a situation i was telling you about uh in the minor leagues and we had a our starter the day before was getting destroyed it's like the third inning he had already given up a 10 spot it was a it was going to be a he it was a wear it day for him because our bullpen had got crushed the previous two nights. And uh, their four-hitter came up on a 3-0 count. He had walked the previous two hitters, and he got to a 3-0 count, and the guy swung away. The base is loaded. Hit a grand slam. Now it's 14 to nothing in the third. <laughs> and, of course, he was hot. He was hot. You know, the, our pitcher was hot. He got pulled out right after that. And for the left fielder, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. yeah. And uh, who can, who's who pitched in high school? That's he, cool. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, and he and he came in. He came to me after the game, and he's like, "Dude, that guy. That's just that's one of those. I mean, you're destroying me in the third inning, and you're gonna. And I walked the previous two guys. You know, my controls. I'm just trying to find a strike. And the, so, you did you pitch one. against that? Did you pitch against them the next day? Yeah. What'd you do? I did what he asked me to do, and I hit him. <laughs> See, you know. See, but, I, but, but that that was, and that was me as a teammate. You know, I mean, if if another teammate came to me and asked me, you know, and I felt that it was kind of worthy of the situation. I mean, I would, I, I admit, I I hit a few guys, 
you know, and I think, but I, I think wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to hurt him. It was just, it was the, the, the message. Hey, right. I think there's such appreciated. a, I think there's such a gray area in these unwritten rules. And I think that's, that's kind of where everyone's kind of hitting the fact that I think where the separation is and why some people have, you know, uh, and I'll say a small, there's a lot of players that are stepping up saying like, I don't get why everyone's upset. Even um, some old like school players. Johnny like Bench, Reggie Jackson, Reggie Jackson, all those guys have tweeted a bunch of stuff. I think it's the point of the game. If you're up yeah. seven nothing and it's the second or third inning, you're you're not letting off the gas. Like that's there's yeah. a lot of lot a lot of time left in the game to make a comeback. But the fact I think that it was the eighth inning, that's I think where the big thing is is like it's the eighth inning, eighth inning, you know, the game's, you know, kinda kinda out of hand. But I, I listened to a interview with uh, the Padres manager Tingler, and he he like backed Tatis. He said, "I'm glad he didn't look down to third base, and I'm glad he went after it because we've had trouble finishing games and finishing off teams." And his defense was, "You know, we 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 work these relievers, we get them knocked out, we use it, we get to as many as we can because we're playing a four game series, and if we can wear their bull down, uh, bullpen down." we have a better chance of, of winning, you know, more of the games in the series. So he was defending Tatis saying he didn't see a problem with it. On the other hand, Chris Woodward with the Rangers, he was pissed. And Chris, I know Chris real well. We went to the same junior yeah. college. He's an old school guy that like you do the right thing and what the right thing in baseball uh, to do. And he, he took offense to it. I think, I think if you ask a hundred players, you're going to get about, I don't know, 70 different answers. Yeah, well, it, but you know what? And then Tingler also said, he goes, we gave him a take sign. So he also missed a sign. So that's that's where it's like, you know. By the way, did he get disciplined for that? Have you, got, you guys are both down in San Diego. Did he get disciplined? Did he have to throw 100 bucks in the pot or something? Tease? Yeah, for missing. No, probably not. I, I wouldn't it, imagine. It, de- it de- really depended on your, your manager. I mean, there was man- I had managers that would, you know, they would find you something, you know, or, or – a lot of times what it was was, you know, other pitchers would have, you know, we'd have a pot for, for fines. You walk the opposing pitcher. It was on four pitches. It was 20 bucks in the pot. Or, yeah, pitcher's games. And then we'd go out to oh, dinner. Yeah. Well, but then we, we would do it. Then the first, the first pitcher to hit the home, a home run would get that pot, and then it would start over. Oh, that's why so you guys are from the heels. Oh, did you guys ever get <laughs> yeah, kangaroo yeah. court? My brother, I remember the Columbus Clippers had kangaroo court a couple times a year. Oh, we had kangaroo oh, yeah, court. Got, Cincinnati yeah, was sure. big. Cincinnati was big for kangaroo court. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, hey, uh, Brett, I've been doing some intel. I don't have any, like, uh, ABC News Nightline uh, music, but uh, personal um, unwritten rule relating to Aaron Harang in 2015, and I want to thank Buster Olney of ESPN for providing this data on Twitter. Um, lowest run support in 2015, at least at about the break. Number one, Corey Kluber. Number two, Jake Ordizzi. Number three, Jose Quintana. Number four, Aaron Harang. I think you were with the Phillies that year, right? Yeah. So, so, unwritten rule. How much do you talk about that in the locker room? That's actually a great question. <laughs> I, ha- I, had a few, I had a few years, even in Cincinnati, it was when – they were in a full, re, you know, starting to rebuild and stuff. After that 03 season, they kind of cashed it in. Bowden got fired, and then it was just became rebuild. You know, you had, you had Griff, you had Larkin, you had Dunn and Kearns and stuff. But, yeah, there was a few years that I, I was kind of in that same boat even then. So did but it? Yeah, you don't you don't talk about out, that. That's or the locker room in your entire career. Did you ever have that moment where you shared it with anybody? I think if there was a guy on the team that you felt real comfortable with, like, dude, I'm not getting any run support. This like sucks. Like, let's go hitters. But you would never. You know, I never brought. I never brought it up. It would be somebody else that would bring it up. And then you go off on it. But you could never, ever, ever bring that up to a hitter because if you, it yeah. would spread like wildfire. That Tomko's complaining that we're not scoring him runs because the baseball gods they work in mysterious ways because oh. what will what will happen? I, and I've. I've seen it. I've seen it. I had a, a year with San Francisco where, like, I think I had, like, nine straight starts where I gave up one or, or less runs, and I lost seven of the games. I'm going to do and a so, screen share here of a, of a famous moment. Keep going, Brett, of a famous and, moment. And, and so, 
So, I, you know, I'm hot about it. Like, dude, why can't we score runs when I pitch? This is ridiculous. So uh, I said it, of course, to somebody on the team where I was like, this, this is not this, – this sucks. And sure enough, the baseball gods will kick you right in the ass. I had a game where we went out and scored like five runs in the first inning, and I ended up giving up like eight runs and like didn't shut it down. It's like it, it happens. It always happens. So can you guys see this uh, news article I'm sharing with you here? Oh, yeah. Okay, I remember, so, I remember so this, that. Yeah, I'm a huge Dodger fan. So this is actually what kind of made me go, oh, I want to ask Aaron about this, is uh, reportedly uh, Rich Hill is literally dealing, dealing, dealing against the Red Sox. And reportedly Chris Sale said something to the effect of, this guy has two freaking pitches. Why can't you hit him? And it was a shutout so far in the game. So Was Sale pitching that game or was he on the Yeah, yeah. Oh, he came in the dugout in like the fifth or sixth inning and was like, this guy's got two pitches. Somebody hit him. And he, I think it was a one hitter in the fifth or sixth. I think the right I was guy. never the ace of a st- staff. I was never the number one guy. So I don't feel like I ever had the right to like start calling out hitters. Well, probably not a good habit to get in. You know, I know there's a, a certain NFL quarterback who um, played uh, in, a, in a town near where both of you lived who just got uh, traded or left that my brother from the first couple of years said, I don't like that guy. And I said, why? And he goes, if somebody on the Chargers makes a mistake, he makes it clear it's not his fault. And I think that haunted Philip Rivers forever. I, because everybody over time saw that, that he, he spoke with his body. And when you hear San Diego fans talk about Philip Rivers, I go, yeah, that guy's not even in the top 15 quarterbacks right now because he's number one. And I always look back at my brother who, who walked in those locker rooms with you guys who said, because he doesn't have the respect of his teammates because his body language puts it on somebody else all the time. And isn't that what we're talking about a lot here when it's your own team? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Like, Aaron, if if guys are making errors behind you, like, you can never show emotion that you're upset that they're making errors or, or you're I, I was, a bad rep. I was one of the rules here the, you sent me, Brett. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was the guy that I would, you know, they'd make an error on the field and you'd see them, you know, and they were upset. And I'd be, hey, who cares? Forget it. Make the next one. Let me get you another grounder. And, you know, or yeah, guy drops the ball in the outfield and whatever, a couple runs score, he throws it away. You come into the dugout and be like, dude, who cares about that? Go, go make that up at the plate. You know, and the fact that they would, you kind of, you know, boost our confidence by going, Hey, he's not mad at me. Cause I made a mistake. I mean, I know that none of them want to make mistakes. Well, nobody's nobody more disappointed than them. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and you, you kind of boost them up a little bit, you know, and, and say, Hey, I, I don't care about that. Now, now go do something and make it, you know, make up for it. And more times than not, they would, it was kind of that, that the baseball gods would work in those ways where, you know, and then, but then you had guys that, They'd be out there and they're throwing their heads back and they're just, you know, stomping around the mound and throwing the rosin bag and stuff. Well, now, now you're showing the opposing team that you're mad because your own teammates can't make plays. So now they know that something's under your skin. So then they start egging it on more from the other dugout. I'm supposed to know this, but I think Pence made an error last week where he lost the ball in left field in San Francisco. And I think the Cueto, yeah, won nothing. I think that was, was a no hitter. It was a no hitter. No, that's right. It was, it was a no hitter. It was Ruiz uh, hit a like a just a lazy fly ball to left, and the guy just lost it. Yeah, yeah. I think I played with a guy who was not afraid to show people up if he was pitching, and you know you get a bad reputation. And I think at the end of the day, at the end of your career, I've said this before on the telecast or on our our show. Um, I think at the end of the day, when your career's over, like no one's going to remember if you, you know, had a sub four ERA or how many wins you had or strikeouts. But at the end of the day, like people are going to say, Hey, uh, did you play with harangue? And guys are going to be like, yeah, well, what kind of dude is he? Like, dude, he's a great dude. Good teammate. Like to me, that was important. I wanted to be a good teammate. I wanted to have the reputation of like, yeah, I enjoyed playing with him. He was, he was a good guy. I don't know if that was important to you, Aaron, but that, that was certainly important to me. Oh yeah, no, it definitely was. And, you know, and, and you'd find that guys would play harder too, knowing, you know, Hey, Tomco's not going to blow me up because I make a mistake, you know? And, and so I'm going to, I'm going to try even harder to, to go out and get this done for him. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it did play a part in your, you know, career. And I mean, teams, teams found that other teams find that out 
And that, that's how you're getting hey, jobs too. You that's guys are touching on something you touched on earlier. And I want to ask you about that. Cause as a fan, I see this in the NFL as well as MLB. Um, is it just me or in the last 15 to 20 years has the, have the players become more of a family regardless of the team where, Hey, this is our profession. This is our livelihood. We don't take each other out at the knees. We don't throw at each other's heads. When I just don't remember that attitude uh, in the eighties and nineties. Oh, no. they, they threw at each other. They throw at their own mothers. <laughs> but it seems very clear now that there's the, the maybe the number one unwritten rule is, Hey guys, this is our paycheck. Like uh, emotions are going to take over, but when all said and done, we're all in this together. Do you guys agree with that? Is that I true? Think, I think you're a family. Um, yeah. I, I used to say, I would see, like during the season, Aaron said, you can attest to this, you would see your teammates more than you saw your wife most of the time. Oh, yeah. We're, we're on the road. A lot of people have a misconception of like <clears throat> how easy it is. Like you, you get up, you go to the field. Like people don't understand. I had friends ask me like, hey, what time do you show up for a 7 o'clock game? Like 5 o'clock? And I'm like, yeah. no, no, I'm there at like noon. Like, 11, noon yeah. I'm there when at you get noon. The, you get the, hey, do you got a day? When, uh, oh, do you get like all Mondays off? No, yeah. we play every day, you know. Is that <laughs> like, well, if you're not pitching, coast to coast off? <laughs> if you're not yeah. pitching, do you have to go to the game? Like, I think people don't understand, like, we're there. And even at home, we're like, we're at the field most of the day. And then we're at the road. Of course, you're away from your family. You're with your teammates. Your teammates become family. You become My very close. My question, though, Brett, is more about other teams. You see guys talking on the base pass more than ever. You see guys praying after a football game. Is it Teammates have always been a, a family, but are, are all the players in the league more of a family now than because when I was growing up and you know I just look at you and my brother two of the most competitive guys I knew who like never wanted to lose a game of chess like you would run people over if you had to to win and is it, so it, I don't know has that changed I guess is my question you still have that competitiveness I think, I think it I think it goes back to what I hit on earlier the generation when I came up or the generation before me it was hard hardcore nitty-gritty you took no bs and that's how it is. This generation that's now, not that it's wrong because the it's Pete evolved. Rose generation. Yeah. It, it, everything, <laughs> yeah. Evol everything evolves, but I think the generation now, these guys get drafted, they get an, a, a crazy amount of money. They come up, they're the franchise right away. When Bryce Harper got to the big leagues, he's the franchise right away. Yeah. And no one, he's untouchable. No one's going to say anything to him. So I think, I think there's a, like a lost art to, you know, when you, when you get on the field, you don't, you don't, hang out with the other team you're like we i never did that if i did that pete harnish was pulling me aside and <laughs> ripping me a new asshole because i was talking to the other other team and like you can be friends after the game take them to that was the big thing take them to dinner yeah. after the game take them to dinner that was buy the big lunch. yeah you buy them lunch yeah that's but that i think that's kind of gone i think it's a generational thing there's just more of a show i think now with all the players and what's going on it's just marketing themselves more it's it's there there's less of that hardcore we are there's here so, to annihilate you there's so much there's so much self-marketing too with those guys oh for sure you know and yeah. they're all friends on you know i mean they're all Twitter friends on their and, uh, social yeah. media and it, everything else and you know let me give a yeah. shout out before i forget brett um our eldorado high school classmate dylan moore is having one of the best seasons Probably one of the surprise players of the year for Seattle. He's starting in right field now. Uh, he's batting second. He's kind of been a journeyman in the minors, and the, the manager up there in Seattle really likes him. I was texting his dad going, I'm hoping the Mariners tank so he can continue to play every day because some of those high-paid guys might get more of a chance. He's, like, clearly one of their best guys. Have you guys been keeping your eye on him at all? I mean, he's, he's going – got four home runs, five stolen bases. He's, he's hitting a good clip. I think he was four for eight at Dodger Stadium this week. You guys been watching him at all? No. <laughs> no. I well, mean, now you can keep an eye yeah, on. Yeah, right. No, I, I mean, I think, I think with with everything going on, it's just kind of watching baseball in general. I'm not specifically on on certain players, but it's always good to see a, fe a fellow Golden Hawk do well. So I'll start have to keep my eye on him. He's grinding, man. We For love sure. grinders on this show. So hey, let's go through some of these. Hey, before before we go through these, what about Clevenger, man? Um, I wanted to ask your guys' opinion. Does he have to be – so so I don't know if you guys have read – so for listeners who haven't heard, uh, please, Zach, I guess, uh, went out to dinner one night, broke the protocol, 
He took uh, Clevenger along with him, two Cleveland pitchers. Um, Pleasak got caught by the cop that's like each team's supposed to have down in the lobby, sneaking back in. Clevenger didn't get caught. Clevenger went on the team plane the next day. And then later that night, it came out that Clevenger was with him. And now all the teammates are upset that Clevenger kind of made a bad thing even worse and lied and then maybe exposed them. And then when they um, came back from their suspension, they basically got demoted for a minimum of 10 days. Uh, and the, the stories I'm reading are saying those guys might not make it back in that clubhouse because there was an ugly meeting the day they came back. So what are your guys' opinions on – I mean, can they rejoin that team? Do you think they'll rejoin that team? Because I'm already hearing whispers that Boston's uh, been calling Cleveland. Oh, man. Um, I mean, you know, that's the thing is they, they all know the rules. They all knew the rules. You know, they're, they're putting each other's lives at risk by doing that. And I think, I think, I think now, I think had Clevenger come out and like after police had got caught and, and fessed up and be like, dude, I was out with him. Like there would have been some, a little bit of respect for him fessing up, but the fact that he hit it and put everybody in danger. Now that he's flying on the team charter with everybody. And cause dude, you, I mean, this, this stuff's nuts. You don't know where it's coming from, how, you know, I mean, you look at what happened with St. Louis, I think what they say, somebody went out to a casino or something, or they had a, a friend that was staying with them was went out to a casino and came back and got it and got them sick. And then it just threw the clubhouse like, like wildfire. And I mean, that's how it was. If anybody just got the normal flu in the clubhouse, I mean, they, they put those guys aside and said, don't even, you know, you come in, you get checked by the trainer and then you go home because sure. we don't want you around any of the players because it will spread like crazy and this whole team will end up sick. Because that's the thing is we're around each other. We're in a confined area for a period of time every single day. Yeah, it's, it's like when we had Ross on the show, he said, you know, if somebody gets it, it's going to go through the clubhouse. And if, if the team has rules in place and you can't do this, then respect the rules. That's what it comes down to because – it's like normal society. People are going to do, people have their own opinions of how serious everything is, how bad it is. You know, if you're going to wear a face mask or not wear a face mask, but if you're getting paid millions upon millions of dollars and a team says, Hey, we don't want you doing this. I'm going to follow the rules. Like for two months, that's too much for two months. That's my employer saying, Hey, we're looking out for everyone. You got all these older coaches, older training staff, you well, know, we're and he's got whatever. Uh, Carrasco coming. He's you know high risk right. from having leukemia last year. It's like it's, uh, even even Francona. My he's, mind is just it's a selfish thing to do. Not just him personally, but anyone that's yeah. not taking it serious enough that you realize if you don't care if you get sick, that's fine. I'm okay with that. But care about your 26 other guys plus all the staff of getting them sick. And like you said, it's two months. Lock it's not it down. Like they're NBA players. It's just two months, guys. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so <clears throat> I don't know. I, I think it, it was wrong, and and I don't know how he feels. I don't know him personally. So, but, yes yeah. or no? Does does Clevenger or Plezak pitch for the Major League Indians again this year? Sure. I, I think I, I when it comes down to it, results. If they're going to get the job done on the field, I think. And they're in it. I mean, they're in the. Yeah, I, I don't think that. you're going to decimate your pitching staff to because of a couple rules. You can handle that in a different way or after the season. But, you know. What do you think, Aaron? I think they will. Yeah. I, I mean, the numbers they've put up, you know, I mean, they're two of the, two of the top guys in that rotation. Yeah. But they're not going to have – they're going to have some guys in that clubhouse. They're going to have some – Serious begging and, and making up to try and yeah, they'll be buying just, for a while. Just to get that, by the rest of the season because there's gonna there is some grudges being held because that's that's where the self policing in the clubhouse has to happen, yeah. which it, it doesn't quite happen as much anymore. And Clevenger's been very outspoken because yeah. a lot of people gave him flack when he first came up about what he would do and how he would handle his stuff. And he just basically Didn't gave care. a big middle finger to all of them and say, Hey, I'm here trying to make my money, I'll do what I want to do. So well, as you know, the It'll Angels are my third favorite team. I want the Angels to trade for both those guys right now. Anybody? <laughs> like, I don't care what he does off the field. I just want wins on the, on the field. I want I the Angels it. to be watchable, frankly, is all I want. They don't even have to be great. I just want to be able to sit through a whole game and act interested. So, hey, Aaron, what happened in 2009, man? You were on fire at the plate. 
career high uh, in so many offensive categories. You had your one career home run there in Cincinnati, six RBI. Uh, you limited your strikeouts to only 12 after 28 punch outs at the plate a couple of years, man. What, what happened that you were you eating something different or were they making you buy dinner if you didn't hit a home run? <laughs> um, <laughs> Calling out a pitcher for his hitting. Maybe I Jeez. wasn't closing my eyes that season <laughs> swinging at the ball. That's probably what it was. Hey, um, no, you know what? I, I, I tell us about that game, career home run. You got to remember that. What was it? Oh like? yeah. Yeah. Uh, my wife was there too. She was in Chicago. And uh, she said, really, huh? started screaming. She said she was lucky she didn't get beer thrown on her. <laughs> um, that sad part is we lost that game four to three. <laughs> hey, but you contributed, huh? I mean, so I had all the I had all the RBIs, man. It was oh yeah, it was a three run Tate. Oh, I like him. Yeah, <laughs> three great. run Jack, and we lost hey, four to three. <laughs> Aaron, is there anything better? Let me ask you this question: Is there anything better when your team? gets shut down through the first eight hitters and no one gets a hit and you come up there in the third inning and like lace one up the middle and you're running the first and you think, dude, how come our hitters can't get a hit? It's not Wait, that unwritten rule. Are you allowed to look back at the dugout? <laughs> like, come on boys. <laughs> it's not that hard. See? Hey, okay. Unwritten one. This I'll tell you a funny one though is, uh, you know, I knew, uh, I had heard stories. Clemens didn't like younger guys swinging early in the count off him. Right. So we're in Houston, and I, I'm facing him, and I swung at the first pitch, got a base hit, right field. I run down uh -oh. to first, and I get on first, and Lance Berkman's there, and he goes, oh, so it's that easy, huh? I go, yeah, sometimes. And then I looked at him, and I wouldn't look to the mound, and I go, hey, is Roger looking at me right now? He's like, dude, he's staring dead at you. And I was like, oh, I, I – I didn't look towards the mound for three pitches. I, I, I could sense him looking at me for three pitches in between each pitch, like staring me down. And I kept asking Berkman, is he still looking? Yeah, he is. You know, and, <laughs> it, but so did you it, wear a football helmet up there next time? Oh, no. You had to be a little scared, though, that first pitch oh, or your next at bat. I was, I was panicked the next, the next at bat. I'm like, you know, he's, he's one of those old school guys. He, he doesn't care who's up there, he'll, he'll brush you back. But, um, yeah, it, that was that was one of those, uh, you know, certain guys. You know, there's just certain things you didn't look at them funny. You didn't. I'd heard you that know, about I, Roger too, and I didn't even play, so that was a pretty well known one. <laughs> Let me ask you guys about a few more. So everybody knows about the "don't rub the spot where you were hit." I mean, we know that one in high school. Don't walk in front of a. So you guys give me a yeah, that's a big one to me, or it's not a big deal to me on each of these. Okay, don't yeah. walk in front of a catcher or umpire when walking to the batter's box. Big yeah, I, I would never do that. I never, I never did it, but no. More know, importantly, never... more importantly, you're on the mound and a batter walks in front of the ump and the and the catcher. Does that bother you as a pitcher? No, that no, wouldn't bother me. But I'm sure it would bother the catcher. If you walked in front of Yadier Molina, I'm sure yeah. he might be like, he might have a little something to say about it. Okay, who yeah. was it that A Rod ran in front of like ten years ago? He acted straight ran across the field. Who oh, was that uh, who, Dallas Braden? Yeah, he did not yeah. like that at all. Yeah, how, well, that's a different story. Uh, that I think that's one of them. A, a position player running across the pitcher's mound. You go around the whole umpire behind the umpire back to your dugout, right? If you're, I mean, if a if a hitter ran over my mound, I'd I'd be pissed. Yeah, it wasn't just the grass. He actually ran over the dirt. I think against Dallas Braden, right? Uh, but that's about you, Aaron. Aaron. Are you pissed if a, a hitter runs over your mound? I was usually back standing near the mound anyway. So. <laughs> well, I thought you were going to say I was usually, like, backing up home plate. <laughs> no, well, no, well, he got out at first, you know. Yeah. So, it's – yeah, if, if I'm standing – I mean, obviously, he's not going to run – want to run near me hey, when I'm standing on the mound. <laughs> and okay. if any of you don't know Aaron, Aaron's like six 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 seven. So, I don't think anyone's coming close to the mound. So, Aaron, it doesn't look like you did much, if any, relieving in the bigs. Did you do any relieving in the bigs? A uh, few times. Okay, so this question. Early, early on, early on in my, when I was a rookie, I did a, a couple times. Okay. Um, made a few appearances to uh, mop yeah. up an inning. Okay. Um, so here's why I ask, because Brett and you are both starters by mentality, but, but I'm sure through the years you guys both came in as a reliever. And here's an interesting one. A pitcher who is – so I want you to answer this as a starter. A pitcher – I want you to tell me if you ever violated this. A pitcher who is removed from the game in the middle of an inning must stay in the dugout till the end of the inning. That's a big one. I, I think yeah. 
Did you ever violate yeah, it for more than 30 seconds to drop it through F-bomb, other than dropping a few F-bombs in the tunnel before you assumed your seat? Did either of you ever violate I might have taken more than 30 seconds. It just <laughs> depended on how much I was destroying in the tunnel. Because <laughs> um, I was good. I was good for some snaps once in a while. But, um, you know, most of the time I, I kept a pretty uh, pretty even keel temperament when I was out on the, on the field. Um, but, no, I never, I never left. I if I did, I would go blow some steam off, but I would always come back. Yeah, I don't think. Go ahead, Brad. I don't think. Yeah, if you get taken out of the game, you gotta you gotta finish the inning. You gotta finish that half of the inning, and then you can go in the clubhouse. I don't think I ever. I felt it like disrespectful. Like if you get taken out of the game, especially if you're not doing well, like take it like a man. Watch the end of the inning. Your runners are out there. See if they score. Like you know, I've seen. I saw young guys do it. Like after me, and I always used to say something like, "Dude, just stay out there for the whole inning." Yeah. That's that's and you know what I'll tell you as a fan that watches every night the cameras on you they're they're watching you to see how you react to as the starter sitting there obviously you want you know you don't want your ERA to be dinged up as a result of this guy but you also want your team to pull through this, this is this is where it was to me and Aaron you can pretty much on anything over the map like be consistent be be consistent with you do like one of my pet peeves and one of the unwritten rules for me is like when a starter gets taken out of the game. And if he's losing the game, he goes in the clubhouse, he does whatever he does, and doesn't come back to the dugout. But then if a starter left the game, went in the clubhouse, showered up or did whatever, and then came back out, like, you know, so he could go on the field and celebrate his win, that always bothered me a little bit. Like, I just wanted guys to be consistent. If you're a guy that does that, do it all the time. Makes sense. Yeah. Did somebody say playoffs? The NBA, MLB, and NHL are in full swing, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. So take full advantage of sports being back and get in on the action with hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. And there is always the online casino as well; it never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's BetOnline.ag. So sign up and collect that bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Hey, so let me ask you about something I've seen on the tube uh, three times this season that I never noticed before. Uh, is I've seen pitchers doing this to signal we're going to our second set of signs. Is that new? Um, is it something that there is just more in the media spotlight because of the Astro scandal? Or um, is it just because I'm ignorant and never heard of it before? But I, I literally, I heard Oral Hershiser mention it. Somebody flashed a two on the chest to the catcher. The pitcher flashed a two or did something. And then I saw Kenley last night on the Dodger game a couple times do this to let Barnes know we're going to a second set of signs when there was a runner on second. So I'm sure you guys have always had code, but have you always had second sets of signs? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I did too. Yeah. And did yeah. you? What was your sign? Was it just like a roll of the fist? Was it a two? What were you guys doing to communicate without verbally communicating? Um, well, a lot of times, what it would, it would be more of the catcher would actually call it. Like if he felt like they were getting onto something. So he um, actually had like a sign he'd give you. Yeah. Or- well, we and we knew we knew before, like he would, you know, double tap of the helmet or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Like okay, we're gonna switch it up. And, you know, mine, mine was, I was always uh, after three. Yeah. Um, if you didn't see a three, it was the last sign. Um, so, you know, and, and so it would always change and some, and then if I shake, it was always the first to the first sign. And then if I shook a second time, it'd go to the second sign. So, I mean, I, you, you had patterns. There was always yeah. different patterns. The, the Each guy head- was different. The catcher had has to know has to know like eleven different sets of signs basically. Yeah. Everybody's different. My mine was you know I usually did like you know first pitch after two and then I would give a rollover sign um, and the catcher if he tapped his uh, mass was the first sign, uh, chest protector was the second sign, knee, uh, shin guard was the the last sign. So we could change mid batter because if we thought the guy at second was given locations or or something we could change signs constantly and well, I, you could you could swipe up you know some guys would they get the sign okay say it was a, a slider and you know fastball slider change or, and they wanted to go down they would swipe down so it would go to fastball they'd swipe up to go to change up you know and so 
or if you swiped up twice, it would roll around and go to a fastball again. And yeah, I mean, there's for, all, there's so much stuff that you could do. There, like there, terrorism out you there, needed man. like Jeez. you needed a degree to be a catcher with all the different, you know, you know, odds, evens, outs plus ones. I mean, t- there's taps before they would tap a certain amount of taps would mean something else. It was crazy. I got you're another. You're a grinky the other night. Tell his catcher. He hey, told him, oh, yeah. no, "Hey, we're going, we're going first sign after two. No, 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 wait. <laughs> no, we're gonna go second sign after two. And like, I saw Jamie Moyer do that like a bunch. Like a guy was fouling stuff off. Like couldn't get the guy out. He just literally told him to sign. He like gave the fastball sign. Like here you go. I'm throwing you a fastball here. I'm not even gonna well, try. To he did. Uh, he was notorious for. Um, yeah, he won a new ball and he'd crow hop to the catcher and fire a fastball in there. And it was always the next pitch was a changeup. He, so no, he, you know, he, he was trying to change the deception of the hitter to see something hard, and then all of a sudden he'd throw the next pitch. Even better, he would always keep dirt on the rubber, so he couldn't see the rubber. He was always yeah. messing with it. So he would be throwing fastballs right against the rubber, and because you couldn't see that, he would literally he'd take a step back, <laughs> and then his plant foot, he'd plant a foot in front of the rubber. Yeah. And you couldn't see it. So his, now his fastball has gained like three miles an hour without doing anything he was the he was the master at that jamie had so many ways to trick to i won't say cheat i'll say trick he was a junk baller wasn't he I mean, that guy scrapped though. Uh, he had yeah. so much stuff going on we could go into a whole yeah. show about that <laughs> maybe we should maybe we should maybe, do a two-part we'll show have, with him maybe, i might call him and say hey you want to come on and your just name have came him, up <laughs> yeah and have him just tell the amounts of ways that he could doctor a ball it was yeah. amazing i have a bunch of them that i could tell you too but i don't know if i should reveal his sources hey i got one being a pitcher you got a no hitter going, and a guy tries to bunt. Yeah, that was a, that's a no. Like that's that's a that's a big. If it big if it's a goal. if it's a one nothing game yeah, or two, say, a two nothing game, then you know, in the eighth inning if it's two nothing, I, I can see him trying it. Ninth inning and it's two nothing, yeah, I'm still kind of iffy on that. There's the so night. many like there's so many variables to these yeah. these. But, but one but think about one nothing games a guy. Finally, I mean, him, obviously, it's, the game. <laughs> yeah, one nothing, one nothing. It's a base. Uh, uh, you get on base, you know, maybe he throws it away. Now you're on second, a little blue single and scores a run. Now it's a tie game or the guy gets a bunt and then the next guy hits a double because the pitcher's so flustered that he just lost a no hitter, gives up a double and now tie game again. I had a no hitter. I, I, I had a no hitter in triple A. Um, I took it into the ninth inning, and the very first guy up was a guy named Curtis Goodwin, who I had played with in Cincinnati. Oh, no, he was the second guy. I got the first guy out, and he was coming up. And he's walking to the batter's box, and I literally walk like halfway to the, to the plate, and I tell him, you better not bunt. Because I knew he would be the guy that would lay down a bunt and try to break up the no-hitter. And we were winning like 5 nothing. So sure enough, he didn't. Luckily, or, or we would have, we would because he was really fast. If he put down a good bond, I had no chance of getting him out. Well, that's a good good friend both ways. Yeah, what about what about a, a, like pimping a home run? That's a really, you know, I think the way the game is now. I I just text Jerry Harrison Jr. said, hey, do you notice like more guys pimping home runs this year than than ever? And he's like, yeah, I don't really notice that. Uh, Aaron, you've watched some games. Do you do you do you see guys pimping more? I didn't. I I wasn't too keen on you pimp a homer and it goes in the first or second row. <laughs> yeah. Right. You hit that thing 450 feet, dude. You can stand because more than likely I'm gonna turn around and watch and see how far it went at that point. But those ones that bear that are wall scrapers and the guys pimping it. Yeah. You know. I mean, who uh, was it? That uh, was Garrett Cole a couple years ago in Pittsburgh when. Oh, Gomez yeah. hit that ball off the off the wall. He was pimping it and ended up getting a triple and, and Garrett popped off and said something to him and he went berserko. You know, I mean like you know as if I'm on the bench and my teammate pimps a homer and doesn't go out or something, I mean I'm gonna be hot. Um but these guys want to pimp homers, dude, if a pitcher decides to uh Amir Garrett and Baez, right? He decided to give him the chainsaw or whatever if he punched him out. But hitters get last offended. Year. Hitters get offended if you show any emotion as a That's pitcher. That's the thing. You want to stand there and pimp a homer against a, a pitcher, and then the next guy, next time you come up, he gives you the good old chainsaw. You can't get mad at that. No. I saw – that was a good one. Brandon Phillips uh, against Zambrano, that happened. You know, Phillips was kind of – he was a showy guy. Um, 
Unless you're Jose you Mesa, know? you just got a salsa dance out there and you can get away with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing is, is so Phillips, he always did that lean when he'd run around the bases. He always give you the, yeah. the left shoulder drop. Zambrano punched him out and he did a left shoulder drop and ran all the way. Jogged I remember all the way that. And Brandon Phillips thought that was the best thing ever. Like he, he came back to the dugout and he goes, you know what? I got more respect for that guy because he <laughs> threw it back at me, threw it right back in my face. And he goes, but I don't, you know, I don't care. That's whatever. You want to do that to me? So I got, I got, right? two yeah. quick, I got two quick pimp home run stories. Um, Sal Fasano hit a home run off me in Philly hit it up into the second deck. Uh, I didn't even really see what he did. And I got in the dugout and Brad Penny goes, Hey, did you see what Fasano did? I said, no. He's like, Oh, he watched it. He did this. And he did that. I said, I didn't see anything. He goes, don't worry about it. So the next inning, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't face him uh, the next time he came up. So Penny was pitching the next day. And the first time he faced Fasano, he put one right in the middle of his back. And he looked over the dugout and like, shook his head like yeah i got him for you and i was like holy crap like he didn't like some of the guys they they do not pimp a home run kenny lofton this is like kind of what aaron was talking about i faced the braves um it was like the last week of the season and kenny had four home runs on the whole year and he gets up in the first inning and hits a home run and it barely got out of the ballpark and he was still standing at home when it went over the fence so the next time he comes up, Joe Oliver is the catcher, and and Aaron knows Joe really well. Yeah. He gives me the like hit him sign. So the very first pitch, dude, I come up and in, drop him. Kenny gets up, like like dust himself off. Next and next pitch, Joe does it again. So I throw it inside again, and I miss him. And Kenny starts jo- like jawing at Joe, and Joe stands up, and they're going like face to face, like don't show my pitcher up like that. Um, I go 3-0 to Kenny and and this time the umpire is like getting into it with him too telling him to get back in the box and then I throw a pitch like on the black 3-0 calls it a strike Kenny looks back at the umpire gets all mad <laughs> now he's the, next, the next pitch I throw like three or four more inches outside calls it a strike umpire like Kenny gets starts yelling at the umpire that three, two pitch. I'm no, no joke. It was like 12 inches off the plate and he rung up Lofton <laughs> and Lofton was like, just bitching him out like crazy. Those are my two pimping home run stories. <laughs> well, let me ask you one more before we wrap up here. Cause we're just about out of time and I get a little story to go with it myself from the, from the bleachers. Um, do not assist a member of the opposing team. Well, yeah, I mean, that, I think that's obvious. It, uh, I don't know how you would assist someone during yeah. the game. I'll pick up their bat. I can give you an example of that. So, 1998, okay. my brother's sitting in the dugout as a member of the Dodgers, and uh, they're playing the Marlins. And Andy Fox, the third baseman, comes running over before they remodeled Dodger Stadium. And Andy and Matt were roommates in the minors for two or three years and the best of friends in each other's weddings. And, uh, Andy did the uh, flip over the bar and Matt oh. stuff off his seat and caught him. And Eric Carroll's just about uh, stared daggers through my brother for, for a, a few minutes after that. And Matt said, uh, he told me the next day, he goes, yeah, I heard about it from a few teammates. And I said, well, would you do it again? He goes, yeah, for sure. I'd do it again. That's just, yeah, I think I, if somebody was coming over the railing, I'd always try to, make an effort so the guy didn't get hurt. I don't that was back before they hurt. had benches for you guys right there, too. You know, that was like yeah. the old school where you sat down in there and you had to see through the fence. Yeah. Aaron, you've been quiet. What do you think, man? <laughs> you going to catch your minor league roommate or are you going to let him hit the ground? Probably let him hit the ground. You're gonna I'll, catch, I'll catch him. Maybe I'll catch him before he goes over. I'm not stopping him when he's as he's coming over. I think if he's fully committed and starting to go down, I'll, I'll try and help break the fall. But, but you know, you see that. It's usually the point where the guy gets the railing and everybody just kind of disperses. Yeah. So it's, but, um, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's just kind of reaction, I think. Aaron, if you were running towards our dugout and you were on the other team, I would try to catch you. I mean, you're a lot bigger than me. so I'd probably crush you. Yeah, I, I would do my best effort. <laughs> I would do my best effort to soften the blow when you hit the ground. Well, First off, it's probably going to take a long time for me to get over there to try and make any plays. <laughs> like, like, when did that uh, happen? <laughs> oh, man. Hey, I got one more, one more, uh, one more uh, unwritten rule. Pitcher's throwing a no-hitter, and people aren't supposed to talk to him. 
What do you got on that one? You know what? Okay, so I had uh, in 14, I had two of them going in like the first four games when I was at the Braves. First game, I was through six. Had no hitter going. And the guys were all at one end. I That drove me nuts. I'd walk down the other end where everybody's at and try to sit down and talk to them. And they're, no, no. And they'd turn around and go the other end. It was like they were back and forth. And then, like, fourth game, same same thing. I'm like, listen, if you're going to treat me any different after five innings throwing no hitter, then you got you guys are the problem. Right. You know? I was the same. I was the same way. That no. I wanted I to talk to him. I, I keep it normal, man. Don't don't change it up. It's the the change in normalcy is what gets you. The the no hitter I threw in AAA that I was talking about. Um, I was in the. I had just thrown the seventh inning, so I'm in the dugout, and my catcher's sitting right next to me. He's the he sat next to me every single inning, so he's sitting there and he's not saying anything. And and I look around. There's no one around me, and I just go because in in the minor leagues. Uh, if you have a double header it's seven innings so so i turned to him i said hey if this was a double header i i would have already thrown a no hitter and he goes what are you talking about why are you talking about it because you know <laughs> it's bad luck to talk about it and i said busting up i said listen if i'm gonna throw a no hitter i'm gonna throw a no hitter it's not because someone came and talked to me or you didn't sit by me so let's just yeah. talk about it. i said we need two more innings let's go let's get this no hitter <laughs> Yeah, you got to have fun with it. Baseball, you got to have fun with it. All this stuff, yeah. everyone's so uptight about all these different rules. And, and as long as you're not doing anything super disrespectful to anybody, baseball is supposed to be fun. Well, and so one, one thing, I'll go back to the whole Tatis thing, and right, and they threw it Machado, threw behind Machado. That was when the next half inning, you'd see Machado in talking to Tatis, you know, yeah. be like, hey, don't be doing that. Don't be, you know, that's where the veteran guys would come in because if a veteran guy got thrown at or your, your uh, four hitter got thrown at because your three hitter pimped a homer or did something, you know, it was always the guy after him. Then it became you threw the warning pitch as a pitcher and then their dugout took care of it in, in house. And that's, yeah. that's how it was always taught to, to me was you, you, you know, throw the warning pitch doesn't mean you have to hit them, but you, you know, buzz them or, you know, shove them back off the plate. The next guy, then he's going to go into the dugout and be like, Hey, I don't want to be thrown at you. You need to knock off what you're doing. Yeah. Interesting. Hey guys, uh, Aaron, we love to take a lot of credit for things that happen in major league baseball and nationally, <laughs> since we have, you know, over a couple hundred listeners now. Uh, no, I'm just joking. Our show has been growing a lot, but um, totally randomly, Two weeks ago, I said to Brett, I'm like, hey, don't you think after the Marlins and the Cardinals got sick, I said, don't you think Major League Baseball should go into a bubble for the playoffs? And sure enough, uh, they started talking about it a week later. And, and we broke the Astros story, too, when we had Jerry Hairston on saying something was fishy there. That's a whole other story. But, hey, the good news for us as SoCal guys is that's got to be in Southern California, right? Because they're saying oh, they need 100%. three sites. They're saying yeah. they need three sites. So San Diego would be the kind of wild card round, and then they'd roll up the freeway. Or, or they could – do SoCal and San Diego. What do you guys think? I think they should. I think to, to yeah. eliminate all, all the troubles and, and, you know, it's working for basketball. I haven't heard any, like, crazy well, I want the best team to win too. You know yeah, what I mean? Well, this is the only way yeah. to do that. I mean, the yeah. Marlins, the Marlins are in first, right? So, <laughs> and the Orioles are right there. So one of the best teams may win, right? <laughs> you you got to one, well, you got to put it to where you can get, you know, two or three sites available within a few hours of each other for you guys as as pitchers uh, as players you know granted it's only a 60-day season but now you're talking about if you're on a good team another 30 days so you're gonna you're gonna want your family there you're gonna want to be at a nice resort especially if they're gonna quarantine you like they're doing in a bubble and LA Anaheim San Diego have some of the nicest resorts good weather that time of year um, you can literally bus everywhere. You don't need to get on an airplane for a month. I mean, it's got to be a strong argument, right? I mean, Listen, I don't know. They, that... they should just open Disney just for the players. <laughs> they could house right. probably everybody on the Disney, you know, between the three oh. hotels. Yeah. Open up the park. And then, I mean, you got a free for all. The, the families would told, have a ton yeah. of, hey, let's call Disney. Let's make that happen. Um, <laughs> but let, you could open up the park and have all the families have whatever they wanted to do. And then you have Major League Baseball there. Yeah. I, I'm excited about it. I, I think it needs to happen because, again, I know you guys come from a different perspective, safety, family time, all those. I, as, as a selfish fan, I want the best team to win. And of course, that's because I'm a Dodger fan, you know, but I, but I, I, I'm, I truly, I don't want to 
get to the playoffs and have 12 guys on one team sick i mean it, it defeats the whole purpose of having playoffs and having a world series doesn't it well we will see yeah yeah so hey yeah. folks aaron harang has been our guest uh longtime major league pitcher top five cy young uh finalist for the national league in 2007 aaron thanks for joining us and uh tell all your friends to tune into the dugout dudes on believe.com uh, definitely will thanks for having me on all right buddy we'll see you soon all right talk to you later Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.